and welcome to Pandemic Mama, the podcast that brings you honest conversations about having a baby during COVID-19 times. I'm Irina Gonzalez, a journalist, new mom, and your host. This is episode four, and today I'm talking with the sober senior herself, Kelly Fitzgerald Hunko. She is a writer and head of marketing at This Naked Mind. We're going to be talking about what it's like to be pregnant for the very first time during this pandemic. We're going to get into her pregnancy anxiety since experiencing a miscarriage last year, the stress of figuring out how to celebrate this momentous milestone with her family, and what it's like to be sober and pregnant during the pandemic. So stay tuned after the break. But first, if you want to connect with fellow parents going through the craziness of having a baby in 2020 and into 2021, please join the Pandemic Mama Facebook group by searching for Pandemic Mama Podcast or heading to facebook.com slash groups slash Pandemic Mama Pod. Thanks. Hello. So I am here with Kelly Fitzgerald Hunko, and she is a writer and head of marketing at This Naked Mind. Hi, Kelly. Thanks for being here. Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm so excited. So you actually are going to be our first pregnant guest. So I'm really excited because I think that uh, a lot of the, uh, the guests are going to already have had kids or are just having kids in the beginning of the pandemic, whereas you've experienced your entire pregnancy during the pandemic. So yes, well, that must be, the, be fir- the first one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that must I be know. something. Yeah, I know I'm not the only one, but I'm honored to be the first one on this podcast. But yeah, I think it's great that you've had and are going to have a variety of guests at different points. So that's good. Yeah, absolutely. So you're 24 weeks pregnant by the time this airs. But what I want to know, because also I can't do math, where were you in your pregnancy journey um, when the pandemic actually hit? So where was I? So when the pandemic hit, that was March. So Mm -hmm. I was not pregnant at that time, but I was trying to conceive Mm -hmm. um, and had been, have been trying for almost a, no, yeah, past a year, a year in July it was that we've been on our TTC journey, as they say, which I didn't even know that acronym until you told it to me. Um, so I was, we were just like doing what we had been doing for several months, which was, you know, me monitoring my periods and tracking everything in the apps and using the ovulation strips and all that good stuff, not really slowing down because of the pandemic. And then I got pregnant in May is when I found out. So awesome. mid pandemic. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I don't know when the <laughs> middle is exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess like still, um, you probably got pregnant like right around like the quarantine in April or so. Yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. how was it finding out? So finding out, <laughs> I guess it's like interesting for me um, since I have had a previous pregnancy loss. Um, so it's, I guess, everything that I've been experiencing ha- is shaped by that previous loss, which I think probably a lot of people can relate to. So this time around, when I found out and I like was peeing on the different strips, I kind of was really, really anxious. I was anxious to find out. I was anxious whether it was going to say yes or no. Um, So either way, I was already feeling full of anxiety just because this is something that I really wanted and that had been trying for for many, many months. So when I first did it, it was like the day after I think my period should have came and I peed on one of the little strips. Um, it wasn't one of the digital pregnancy tests yet. Um, and I saw a little faint line. So I was like, oh my gosh, 
<laughs> and at first, like my brain was like second guessing. I'm like, well, like still kind of early. Like your period could come late. I like I was I was actually like telling myself not to get too excited. So it wasn't really like a moment of excitement like there had been previously, and I'm sure people can relate to that as well. Um, it was kind of like just more anxiety, really. I was like, okay. I got to pee again tomorrow and see what it says. So there was like an ongoing few days where I was peeing on the strips to make sure that it was true. And um, it was. And then about four days into that, just doing that, um, I took an actual like digital pregnancy test and that one came up as yes. That was a little bit more exciting, but still like I, I felt really nervous because I was like, oh man, because I just didn't know what to expect. And I had had a previous loss recently. So that's kind of what shaped my reaction this time. So tell me about your loss. Yeah. So I had a miscarriage in November of 2019. And um, like I said, we had been trying, we've been trying for a little over a year now. So July is when I got my birth control taken out. I had the implant in my arm and we had just like started, obviously, if it was in November and we, I didn't know anything really about <laughs> trying to conceive at that point. We were we were just like, you know, winging it, um, just doing what we normally do, like nothing besides that. And all of a sudden I noticed my period was late and I was like, oh, and then I felt like I had some symptoms. So I figured I would take a test and it came up positive and I cue the super excitement. And that was like my first mm -hmm. time, like with trying to become pregnant and it having a positive test. So I was super excited. I was like, oh my gosh, like, what are the odds? We were like barely even really trying. Um, I immediately showed my husband and he was so excited. We were like crying and jumping up and down and it was, you know, awesome. Um, until <laughs> then we were trying to figure out um, how far along I was because, you know, you count back to like when your last period was and all that. And um, there had been some breakthrough bleeding that I had prior so I wasn't really sure. I'm like, was that a period? Was it not? Cause it was only like a day and it was like not that heavy and all these things. So I was like, well, let me just call the doctor and like make an appointment and see what they say and we'll go from there. And they had asked me to come in, even though I didn't really know how far along I was. So it was uh, maybe a little too early. Um, so when I did go in, they scheduled an ultrasound and, um, and by this time I had taken like other pregnancy tests. So I didn't just have one positive one. I had a few at that time and I was super excited. Again, we didn't really know what to expect. This is my first <laughs> experience with everything. So we're thinking we're going into the ultrasound like, yeah, this is going to be so exciting. Like we're going to see this little nugget. Um, and the ultrasound tech was like, well, there's nothing in there. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Um, so that was like, kind of like what happened at first. And then we talked to the doctor afterwards and she was like, okay, well, this is either like a very early pregnancy that's not showing up on the ultrasound yet. Um, or it's like a miscarriage happening. Um, but, um, I took another test in the office and it was still positive. So this was like, you know, I'm like, and she, they asked me about, my test that I took and like all my symptoms and all these questions and mm -hmm. told them about the breakthrough bleeding and all these things. And we're trying to calculate like, and from that it might've been too early. So I was had hope in that way, but they were, they were not sure what like was going on. So basically mm -hmm. I left very disappointed and not sure what to expect. Even though the doctor was like, well, I want you to just treat this like a normal pregnancy 
just it must be very early um and then i was like okay it was just like a very weird feeling because like it's like your your tests are telling you that you're pregnant you feel pregnant you go to the ultrasound they're like no (laughs) okay am i making it up right um so that was like a weird situation and now i get it like why they make you wait normally to like eight weeks to like get an ultrasound and stuff like that i understand more because of this experience um so anyway we went home like kind of disappointed and i didn't really know like what to expect i mean part of me i was like still hopeful i was like okay like she told me to treat it like a regular pregnancy so i'm gonna act like i'm pregnant and stop drinking coffee and like whatever Mm. And then about not even a week, almost a week later is when I had my miscarriage and Mm. it, you know, was unexpected. It was like on a day where I was traveling and it started like in the morning and kind of lasted all day. And it was like, obviously a painful emotionally and physical experience. Um, And it was like, I think emotionally more than anything, it really like rocked me. Um, I don't think I was like expecting to feel so affected by it because I had only known for like two weeks I think that whole span of time was like finding out then having that experience with the doctor and then having the miscarriage it was all very early and I know we like to say those things like it was early and that's supposed to be like somehow better but um, in this case it wasn't for me because I was still like really emotionally affected by it and just devastated I was like because you know we were so excited and we were like planning I had downloaded some like pregnancy apps already on my phone and like told a few people obviously not many because it was super early and I had only known for a little bit but um yeah it was super disappointing and it took me a, a several months to kind of like even feel physically and emotionally normal I think physically I bounced back quicker um emotionally I mean I was devastated for I would say till like February of this year. So several months it took me and, and, you know, it's something I still think about and it's affected this pregnancy that I have now. So, yeah. Yeah. I just, I think that's so common. Um, you know, with my own miscarriage, it was pretty much honestly, almost the same exact story. Like we'd only known for two weeks, the ultrasound set tech, I think in my case said the exact same thing. It was like, I don't see anything and it's probably just early. And, you know, it is sort of like a waiting game. And then when you actually experience the miscarriage, you're just like, so sad. Um, I think it's interesting because, you know, from what I've seen and heard and read from other women who have miscarriages, I, I feel like our reactions, I mean, obviously, we're all very emotionally distraught and everything, but I almost feel like our bounce back rate tends to either be you either need to like wait a while to try to get pregnant again or in my case i was like desperate to get pregnant again like i we didn't even really listen to my doctor's advice to like wait for at least one period cycle i mean not that anything happened in that first one and i didn't expect it to but i was just like let's just try and see what happens again even though my doctor was like calm down but i was like i had that like desperate like i need to just like be pregnant again um and I think a lot of that comes down to like wanting to fix what felt feels like it broke, but nothing can fix it, right? Like, yeah, not even, not even, unfortunately, not even getting pregnant again in the end. Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting that you say that because my doctor had said said the same thing. So, like in my case, I just wanted nothing to do with trying to get pregnant. Um, after that, for a little while, I was like, nope, like. I stopped like checking my app. 
um, and tracking stuff for like two or three months. Um, and then we were still like having sex unprotected and like, so something could have happened, but <clears throat> nothing did. And I was like, not, I just couldn't, like my heart wasn't in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't until like March, I think, or February or March when I started tracking again and we kind of like started slowly talking about it again. And then, um, it was actually, um, the cycle before I got pregnant this time that we had a telehealth call with my doctor because it was actually during the pandemic. And, mm-hmm. um, it was like the second cycle where we had been trying like pretty hard to like get pregnant <laughs> and nothing happened. And I was like, I know I'm ovulating and I know all these things and I'm doing everything right. And then I was getting scared because I'm like, okay, is something wrong? Like if something's wrong, like I would rather know sooner than later so we can maybe do something different or something else or get whatever treatment needs to be done. And um, I started getting really paranoid about that, which I know a lot of people do. And especially after a loss. So we actually sat down with my doctor and talked about it. And she asked us all these questions and like, we got into everything. And she said that she didn't think I should worry. And that um, according to my history and like everything, I'm doing everything right and just needed to keep trying. And of course, if I had still experienced nothing after a few more months, we could talk more, but then I got pregnant the next cycle. So that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So was that your first, um, that telehealth visit, was that your first like quarantine pandemic, um, doctor's visit type thing? Yeah. Yeah, definitely was. Yes. So how, how was that experience? Cause I guess because you got pregnant, you know, during what, once the pandemic started, like that's really the big difference, right? Is that your ex- entire experience was in this Yeah. So, um, it was, well, I had never really done a telehealth call before, I don't think. And so that was different. Like it was like an app on my phone (laughs) and like Fur and I were like sitting on the couch, like staring at like my phone and I'm like immediately crying when we were like talking about (laughs) stuff just because it's a sensitive subject, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was, it was good though. I mean, I still felt like she was attentive to my needs and I got the same type of care that I would in person for that. Of course, like they can't do any type of testing or anything like that or check my vitals. But I think it was fine in this case pre like pregnancy because um, it was just talking about fertility and stuff like that. So Right. Right. How did um, when you guys decided when you officially like decided to start trying again, um, once the pandemic hit, did that change how you had the conversations or were you kind of like, well we're not going to stop what we want. Right. Like you still want a baby, even though there's a pandemic. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think we were both like, Oh man, <laughs> like, is this a good time to be doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, and actually I was thinking about you and like where I would be if I hadn't had the miscarriage and like in a completely different stage of, of a pregnancy and towards the end or middle of, of a pregnancy mm-hmm. and how much worse I would have felt. So in one way I was kind of grateful that I wasn't pregnant yet. It, Cause I was like, Oh man, like I would be feeling so much anxiety. Um, little did I know it was going to happen like two months in, but um, so in one way I was like, okay, it's like maybe there's a reason why it didn't work out for right now. Um, but I don't think either of us were like, Oh, let's stop and take a break. I think we were just like, full steam ahead because number one, we were like, I'm not sure like how long this is going to take. Because like I said, we were, I was already to the point where I was getting a little bit worried about if it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, 
due to like the previous loss. And then we had been trying for several months with nothing happening. Um, so I was like, well, we don't have time to waste because what if this takes, you know, six more months or something and, um, we have to go in for more treatment or whatnot. So I wanted to, wanted to keep going. So that definitely didn't stop me. Although I don't think I had any indication of how the pandemic was going to unfold either. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So how has it affected you think your pregnancy? I mean, obviously you don't necessarily have context for how it could have been, but I mean, I'm sure you've heard things from others. So. For sure. Yeah. Um, well, number one, our very first appointment, our ultrasound at eight weeks at this time, waited till eight weeks. Um, and I for sure knew that I was eight weeks because I was tracking everything. Um, uh, Fur didn't go in with me uh, because he actually had a pending COVID test. So this was, again, oh. back when everything was like super crazy. Um, and he had had some cold symptoms that week. And, you know, he's a firefighter. So he was on the front lines there for a while, like mm-hmm. interacting with people that may or may not have been sick. And he had just mild cold symptoms, but we like didn't want to chance it. So he went and got a COVID test. And I was like, well, I don't think like you should go in to the doctor. And, you know, they don't, they tell you like not right. to come in if you're experiencing anything or if you are um, come in contact with anyone that's positive and all that stuff. So it's like, and one part of me was like, should we just like lie <laughs> and like, you know, just have him come in. But then I was like, no, no. Cause like, what if his test really does come back mm. like positive? And actually we, we were sleeping in separate rooms because of this as well. Cause mm-hmm. I was like, I don't like, he was kind of quarantined for me. I mean, we still like ate together and like whatever, but I was like, maybe we should be careful. So I was, we were hyper vigilant in that beginning stage. So that affected him not being able to see the first ultrasound in person, luckily, um, the ultrasound tech let me FaceTime him. Mm. And so he was able to be there. He was sitting outside in the car. <laughs> um, and I know so many other women have these similar stories of only being able to bring one person or not being able to go in with their significant significant other. Um, and so like they had actually just changed the rule. I think like the week before we this, this first ultrasound was scheduled. However, he had that pending COVID test. So I said, he better not. So anyway, he couldn't be there for that first one. And that one, I was so nervous for that first ultrasound because of what had happened last time. I was like, oh man, last time I was in this room, it was not a good experience. So it was like kind of traumatic. Um, So that's one way like he didn't come in with me that first time. Like since then, I'm allowed to have him and only him come in with me to the appointment. So that's been nice. And I know that's not the case for everybody. So I'm actually in a, a pregnancy group on Facebook where we're all due in January. And a lot of women are still right now having to only go in by themselves um, wow. or only certain types of appointments. Their significant others can go, come in with them. Mm-hmm. So in a way, I feel kind of lucky, even though Florida has been <laughs> following <clears throat> their own um, rules since the beginning. <laughs> so, yeah. but um, other than that, like, besides appointments, like just being interacting in the world has been really tough. Like being pregnant right now in the pandemic, um, especially because uh, I just want to be very careful about not contracting COVID. Obviously I don't, I wouldn't want to contract it if I wasn't pregnant, but I'm like being hyper vigilant because of that. First of all, because I've had a previous pregnancy loss. Um, and second, there hasn't been done much studies done um, yet about how it could affect um, the fetus and stuff. And I think the, the research that they have done 
says it actually can't be passed in utero, but um, you know, it, those are like small group studies and it's everything's so new and we're learning stuff every day about the coronavirus. So um, it's hard to like really trust that. Although that, that data does make me feel a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, like, so here in Florida stuff has been opening back up since May, which probably isn't a good idea, but I had to like decide every, and still like, I I have to just make a decision every day. Like, should I do this? Like, is this a calculated risk is Mm -hmm. going to the gym? Like, okay. Is going to target. Okay. Um, is interacting with people. Okay. If they're wearing a mask, if I'm wearing a mask, um, if I, should I hang out with people that I know that have gone to other places and haven't been wearing their masks or they're a little bit um, more lenient with their mm-hmm. socializing habits than I am. Um, so it's, it's been really tough in that, like, there's so many small decisions that you have to make all the time around that. Um, and it can be daunting and anxiety ridden. And, um, especially in the case of my gym, you know, I love working out and CrossFit is my thing. And like, yeah. I'm used to being there like every day. So once the gyms reopened in May. It was like right around the time I found out I was pregnant. So I went back for a little while and I was being careful and not interacting with anyone. And, you know, they did a great job of cleaning everything at my gym and um, mm-hmm. obviously washing hands and all the stuff that you can do to help. However, then the owner of my gym and his girlfriend tested positive. Oh COVID. God. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was in mid-June, I want to say. So I was like, okay, um, nope, I'm not going back to the gym after that. And um, luckily he, they didn't, they let everybody know, like we told all the, the, he told all the members and um, handled it very well and Mm -hmm. um, quarantined and they're fine now. And I think only like one or two other people at the gym got it, but I'm not even sure they interacted with him. Like not for sure. Mm -hmm. They got it from him. Um, Could have been other places, but it was not like a huge outbreak, which was good. Um, And I was fine, but there was a little while where I was like, okay, I was at the same place as him, like sharing classes with him. Um, So I was a little bit paranoid for a little bit there about that. And that caused me to not want to go to the gym. So that was back in June. So I haven't been going to the gym. I've been once to do a workout, like an at an off hour. Mm-hmm. When no one was there um, for a little competition that we did. And, but other than that, I just, I'm like, is it worth it? So I constantly have to ask myself, like, <laughs> is, is this a calculated risk? Is it worth it? Is it not? And even now we're in October and I'm still wondering, like, should I go back? It's been open for many months now. Numbers are kind of trending down, but Florida just opened everything again. So mm-hmm. I suspect they would be going up soon. So it's been really tough. Um, it's been really isolating, I think, because I've been trying to be more careful. I haven't been doing much socializing at all. Um, I have gone out to dinner once or twice with a, a friend and socially distanced some um, meeting up with people here mm-hmm. and there. But it's been really tough. Like I've been feeling very isolated, especially the last few weeks. Um, and then you start thinking about like soon I'm going to have a little baby and I'm probably going to be isolating all over again because <laughs> I don't want him to get sick. And you know, their immunity is really not, I know you know all about this. Oh yeah, Their immunity is really low when they come out and they haven't had any of their vaccines yet. And it's going to be a flu season in January mm. when I'm due. And so in my mind, I'm thinking now, like I want to like do some socializing stuff that's safe, 
because soon I'm going to be home with him and mm-hmm. he's going to be my top priority. And we're basically going to be home all the time again, like yeah. before, yeah. just fine. But I'm like, I think getting to the point where I'm like feeling a little bit desperate about like wanting to do something safe and social for now while I can mm-hmm. before I'm stuck at home again. Yeah. I think that's really like everything you said is just what everyone pregnant right now is experiencing because you, you know, I, I think really the, the biggest point, um, not the biggest point, but the um, the most poignant point that you made is that like you're making all these decisions about safety and they're really small decisions because they're decisions like, can I go to the gym or should I go to the grocery store at, you know, five o'clock on a Friday? And there's such small, tiny decisions that you didn't even realize were decisions before all of this happened. And now they're small decisions with ginormous consequences, right? It's like, I I just keep saying and thinking like every decision we have to make feels like a decision between keeping our sanity and like staying safe and like healthy. And it's, it's hard to not picture it as a life and death decision. But the thing that I think we forget is that your like mental health is a part of your life too. So it's not just about you know, getting COVID and getting really sick and hurt and ending up in the hospital, but it's also about like your mental health and, you know, surviving that. And it's just so hard because the decisions really are so tiny when you think about it, like, but because of that, and because we're constantly having to make them, it's just like exhausting. And we're just, I think we're all experiencing that like decision fatigue. And, you know, when you, as you know, like when you are growing a little human, you're like, I'm not just making decisions for myself. Like this is like this little thing that I'm growing and I want it to be healthy. And like, how do I make the best decisions I can? And some of it is about like keeping your own like sanity and mental health. But you also feel like it's, it's like the start of mom guilt, I think, you know, yes. you're just like, I want to keep them safe, but I also like need to keep myself sane. And like, right. How do we manage yeah. that right now? Oh my gosh, exactly. And I'm glad you mentioned like decision-making fatigue because this is something that we talk about at work a lot and like something that we talk about in our programs and stuff like decision-making fatigue and um, all that kind of stuff with regular day things or when it comes to drinking in particular or trying to stay sober. And this is just like another level of it. I'm like, I can't make another decision or like, I don't know what what decision I should make. And I think it's gotten harder as the months go on. And so like, you know, six months ago, March, April, May, I wouldn't have thought about going out. No, it's totally fine. I can stay home. Like I don't need to go anywhere. Like I'm fine. Um, I don't need to attend a party or have a, a party or go out to dinner and all these things. And now like months and months later, I'm like, am I going to do this forever? Like, it's really like, it's threatening to your mental health, like you said. And like in that vein in particular, like me, I've been trying to decide about a baby shower. Like, mm. and, um, and it's so hard, I think, knowing what to do, especially with the current like political climate and the lack of leadership that we've had at the state and federal levels, I think really plays into it. Um, mm. And I was actually just talking to my sister about this the other day because she works on the front lines and she's a physician assistant um, in Miami and she treats COVID patients. So she's really wow. like in it. And we were like kind of saying this same thing where we hadn't, there's no guidance. There's mm-hmm. no leadership. Every state is different. Every governor is saying a different thing. And then even after that, our local counties are doing different things, different restrictions, different recommendations. Um, 
Some counties have mass mandates, some don't. So it's like so hard to keep up with what's the latest. Um, and like our governor just lifted the restrictions here in Florida that last week. Um, so it's really hard to know like what the right thing to do is, like what's okay, what's not okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's very true. And I think it's, um, I think because of all that, there's so much confusion and it's hard to know who to trust because you don't know who of our leaders is like doing the right thing and looking at the science and being mindful of like the science and the numbers in the county and whether they're going down and who is just kind of like following the rhetoric of certain politicians and just opening up because, you know, right. they care and more about the economy. Like, right. In our case of Florida, I think that's really true about the, their economy being their number one priority. Mm-hmm. And also we've heard of them changing data here in Florida, um, yeah. having to train with the coronavirus or only reporting certain numbers and not others. So it's like really hard to know, like, am I safe or not? Mm-hmm. Am I going to be safe or not? Um, and then it's always like, even if there are restrictions, like I've been to certain places where like people are supposed to be wearing masks, but they're not, or like mm-hmm. in target where they're requiring it, but I see people that aren't. Um, and, or like at a restaurant where tables are supposed to be distanced, but they're not really. Or, <laughs> so it's like, you never really know, like, are people going to be following the rules if there are rules? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so it's, it's like a really tough thing. And then it comes into play, like, what's the best decision for me and my baby? Or like, what, like you said, pertaining to mental health and like me feeling really isolated right now. Like, so that the main question, like I've been struggling with is the baby shower question. And, um, it's like, is it worth it? Like, what can I do to make it happen safely? Um, Mm -hmm. and then like, you know, risking people not agreeing with me, which in my case has also been happening. I have family members that don't necessarily agree with what I want to do or what my decision would be. Mm-hmm. So that's a struggle as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of pretty much every pregnant woman I know is struggling through that because it, you know, you, I mean, especially in, in your case, and I remember this too, like having my baby shower, which luckily we had in the end of January. So it was right before all of this went down, but you know, I remember like that was such a special moment because we also had a miscarriage and because we were also, you know, it's the first grandchild on both sides. And, you know, we just wanted like my husband and I just wanted to be able to celebrate with our friends and like having a virtual shower is just like, so not the same. I mean, it's certainly better than nothing, but it's like, it can create such special memories and to not have that is, I mean, it's sad. Like you were saying earlier, it's so isolating and lonely and yeah. yeah. And I was thinking the same thing because obviously um, virtual has been the theme of 2020 because it had to be. Um, but it's like also for me, even pre COVID, I work from home and I'm on Zoom all the time. And I've been primarily like my meetings and everything I do virtual, mm-hmm. uh, apart from traveling for work. So I'm like, like, I'm kind of sick of being on Zoom <laughs> all the time. Like, and I know that's like, a privileged thing to say. Um, and I appreciate my job and I'm really grateful that I've been able to work from home and everything has been virtual because if it wasn't, I might be in a completely different circumstance, but it's like, man, I just want to have this one thing with like a small group of friends and family. And like, like you said, really celebrate, like this is a first for me, obviously if it was like second baby or something, it probably would be probably fine with um, celebrating online or not at all or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's been really important to me. I'm like, Oh, I finally get my chance and like mm-hmm. can't have this special like day. Um, 
yeah, I think it's more symbolic than really like mm-hmm. materialistic. I, I think it's symbolic. I think it's mm-hmm. like a thing. And I think because we're so far into the pandemic, it mm-hmm. makes it almost even harder to decide. Like, like I said, like if, if this was even June or July, I'd be like, oh no, it's fine. I'll just do a virtual mm-hmm. one. But now right. I'm just like struggling with, again, decision-making because of that um, and wanting it to be safe for everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, I think part of it is also what you were saying earlier about how, because it's been so long and because you also realize that you'll like really, really be quarantined again when the baby, you know, the first couple months of the baby before he gets any shots and all that stuff, like there is sort of a feeling of like, well, can I do at least some things right now safely so that I don't, you know, like you'd basically be quarantined for a whole year if you don't see anyone right now, which maybe is not the worst thing, but it's also, it can be really damaging. Um, um, I actually, I want to go back to what you were saying about sobriety, because I know that, you know, as a fellow sober person, connections and human connections and especially in-person connections are so important. So how has that piece of this puzzle been for you? Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah. And I think the longer this goes on, the harder it becomes. And I think I'm not alone in saying that um, across the board for everybody that might be isolating or social distancing. Um, But yeah, as far as my being sober in my recovery, it's been, it's been okay. Like I don't feel like I want to drink obviously, but um, it's been again, isolating and which, like you said, connection is huge in sobriety. And I have been hosting um, my She Recover Sharing Circle on Zoom. Mm-hmm. But again, it's like that gets, I feel like it gets old after a while um, when it's supposed to be in person and you're supposed to like hug people and like see them cry and in, in right. real life and like feel that like connected energy and um, really like be in a place and be devoted to like what you're feeling and seeing and talking about, um, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to sobriety and um there was like another, there was a shoe recovers conference that got canceled in May, which I was supposed to go to. I was really excited about. It's been a while again, since I did something like that. And Oh, also a retreat. I would have planned for the summer, which <laughs> last summer I went on a retreat to Canada recovery retreat on mm-hmm. all recovering women. And it was amazing. It was like so therapeutic and just really nice. I know, I don't know if you feel this way, but like I sometimes want need like a day or, you know, a few hours to just devote to like, my recovery, whether it's like mm-hmm. attending like a group of some kind or like journaling or reading a book or like doing something dedicated for that. And I feel like honestly, for me that that's kind of gotten lost in the shuffle <laughs> over this year. Um, it's been on like the back burner because I've been dealing with being pregnant and like the anxiety of that and the anxiety of the pandemic and just working and like kind of trying to take care of myself and allowing myself to sleep more because I'm tired. Um, so I haven't gotten really like a chance to like take care of that, like sobriety connection that I normally always have and that's always there and that I don't really have to like think about or like intend to do. It just comes like naturally. And, and part of that also is working out, um, for me has been really huge in my sobriety, um, CrossFit. It's just like therapeutic for me. It's like you get out of your head and you're in a place like sweating, um, for an hour. So again, being out of the gym has been super hard for me. This whole, almost, it's almost been the entire year that I've been not, not really in the gym. So that is really hard. And I do have workout equipment at my house and I'm lucky to say that. And I have been trying to keep up my workout routine at my house and 
I haven't been doing a great job. And as far as me, and I know people like look at my Instagram and they're like, you're working out all the time. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, and, but like for me, like my routine is like five to six times a week, like hard CrossFit workouts. Obviously that changes when you're pregnant. Um, cause you got to cut back and scale back on stuff, which I was fully expecting, but I expected to be in the gym still doing right. workouts five times a week. Um, and I'm not so, and it's been really hard to stay motivated at home because it's really easy to stay motivated when you're in a gym with people and um, they're encouraging you and you're in a class setting and you get to talk with your gym friends afterwards or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and they push you to show up or they text you like, why aren't you in class today? Like <laughs> no one's texting me. Like, did you work out today? Like you need to work mm-hmm. out. So that has left me to be like really unaccountable. Um, so I've been like recent, most recently working out like maybe two to three times a week which again, I know is like great for some people, but for me, it's just been disappointing because I want to be doing more and um, I just haven't felt up to it. I haven't felt motivated. Um, and again, it just feels isolating. That's another thing that feels isolating. And mm-hmm. it's another thing that plays into my recovery because it's just not the same. So Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the theme of 2020. It's just like nothing feels the same right now. Yeah. And, and how do we get through that? But Actually, I wanted to ask you about your anxiety because we, we've kind of like touched on it, but not really delved deeper into it. Um, yeah. I'm wondering if you're finding a difference between what I would classify as like pandemic anxiety and like your pregnancy anxiety. Like, do you think it's all together related or like, are you finding different moments are affecting you differently? Like, how does that, how's that going? Yeah. So I think it's like a double whammy right now <laughs> <laughs> with that. Um, I think it was way worse at the beginning of my pregnancy because my, well, number one, the pandemic was at its height um, and everybody was, you know, staying home and isolating and like Mm. going out of the house was a lot scarier. Um, And my main concern was like having another miscarriage. So, you know, thinking all the things like if I get sick, I could have another miscarriage or, Mm -hmm. you know, this would be horrible for the fetus. And, so that's what I was thinking in the beginning. So it was much more intense. Mm. And um, also I think they overlapped because in the beginning I would have anxiety about going to the doctors because I'm like, Oh, what if something's wrong? And I think that's been really intense pregnancy anxiety in general and pregnancy after loss anxiety. Mm. So like always thinking something's wrong um, or coming up to an appointment, feeling really anxious, but also like having to wear masks and like, Mm going into your appointment and the first thing they ask you is like they take your temperature or they ask you if you have COVID symptoms and I'm like okay like hopefully (laughs) not but to be honest I think at some point my anxiety switched over to only being pregnant pregnant (laughs) not so much COVID anxiety because I know I was being really safe and literally doing like basically nothing like I Mm -hmm. hardly ever leave my house until more recently I've been doing a few more things um, but still being careful Um, but so, so in that way, I'm like, okay, I've been like trying to be really safe. And in that way, COVID wasn't as scary for me as it was in the beginning when I, you know, everyone was um, really paranoid about it. And I had just traveled, I actually traveled to Europe right before everything got shut down. So I mm-hmm. was really paranoid for like 14 days after coming back from Europe. So basically they've overlapped a little. Um, but I've also been thinking about like now coming up with like my birth um, that's going to happen, childbirth, like am I going to be able to have more than one person in the hospital with me? Um, I think right now it's still only, you can have two people, Mm -hmm. I believe at my hospital. 
So I'm like thinking about that because I was all thinking like, oh, I'll have my mom and my sister and fur and um, maybe my mother-in-law and like whoever, (laughs) like not thinking it would be like a a rule or like if everyone's going to have to wear masks and, um, and that kind of thing. But I think in the very beginning, it was the worst because I was thinking those two things were tied together. Like if I get Mm -hmm. COVID may, it may or may not cause a miscarriage. So that was like my main fear. And, you know, it still has been like, I definitely don't want to get it because I don't know what will happen. It will affect the baby. But I have to say like now being farther along in my pregnancy, it's been a little bit less because I feel like he's developing. Everything's Mm -hmm. good so far. Um, everything's going really well and I haven't gotten sick yet, knock on wood. And if I were to get sick, I could be fine and be able to take care of myself. And mm-hmm. hopefully the baby would be fine too. Cause we're right. far enough into the pregnancy where everything is pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. So in a way I've been kind of feeling better. However, yeah, the pregnancy anxiety has been like way more intense than I ever <laughs> thought it would be. And like, Thank God I have like friends like you who have been there and that I can text mm-hmm. like whatever I'm having like <laughs> these feelings. Like, like I, like I, I'm sure you can relate. Like sometimes I just feel like crazy. I'm like, I have to tell someone like what I'm thinking about right now. Cause if yeah. I don't, I don't know, like it'll just stay in my head and, and mm-hmm. drive me nuts. And, you know, my doctor's done a good job of like explaining like you, your hormones are raging right now. So it's like normal for anxiety to be up in general Mm-hmm. And like about two or three weeks ago, I started noticing like my resting heart rate is like a lot higher than normal. Right. Like when I lay down at night, <laughs> I'm trying to relax. My heart is still <laughs> racing. And like all of these yeah. things, I'm just like, wow, like there's so many things to like be affected by and worried about <laughs> during pregnancy. Not only if, mm-hmm. if your baby is okay and developing okay and um, getting past the most common stages of when a miscarriage can happen, but there's always like something else to worry about. So, mm-hmm. but what I hear is that it doesn't change when you become a mom. So <laughs> no, but I will say that I think, um, and I mean, this might partially be because I, my, my anxiety got so intensely high in the last few weeks because of COVID that I started anxiety medication for the first time in my life, which I, I wasn't necessarily against before, but I was like, no, I can manage. And COVID really like put me over the edge. Um, however, like between that and also, I think you're so focused, at least for me, it felt like I was so focused on the baby and just like feeding and and diapering and and all that stuff that like, I didn't actually experience as much anxiety as I thought I would in the beginning, just because I was focused on like doing things. And for me, um, my anxiety really likes to have control and to like physically be active. And I think because I was so physically involved in like taking care of the baby, like it actually wasn't too bad. And I mean, that's not to say it wasn't there, but it was just like a lot easier than I think during preg- than it was during pregnancy because during pregnancy, you can't like go to the baby's room and look at him when he's sleeping and be like, okay, he's fine. He's breathing. I mean, I still, I still like every night when I go to bed, because the baby goes to bed a few hours before we do, I will like put my hand on him and make sure he's breathing. But you can't do that when they're in utero, right? You just have to be like, like we were texting this morning, you have to be like, I think he's kicking me. So I guess like, at least you're at that point where you can feel him, but yeah, trickier. I think when you're pregnant because you can't see that they're okay. Right. Exactly. And yeah, I'm excited. Like actually for him to be born so Mm -hmm. that I can have that physical knowing that he's okay and seeing and making sure that he's okay. 
But yeah, it's uh, it's been so tough because like you said, we never know what's going on inside there. Like, it's like, okay, you have appointments every four weeks right now is when I'm at. Um, but in between the appointments, I'm like, like anything could be happening. Like, I don't know. And yeah, I just started feeling movement. And then like, I texted you this morning, like, I don't know, like, I didn't feel them at all yesterday. And I texted my sister too. Like, should I be worried? Or like, at what mm-hmm. point should I worry? Like, I'm worried all the time. Like, should I call the doctor? Um, so it's like really hard to know. And then I guess in the beginning, like when all I was worried about was miscarriage, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to feel so much better, like after 12 weeks. <laughs> and it was just like, I'm so wrong. Like, because yeah. there's always something else to be worried about and to be anxious about. And I think it's like, like I talked to my doctor about it, like she fully knows that I've been having a lot of anxiety. And she's like, I think it's to be expected. Number one, we're in a pandemic. Number mm-hmm. two, you've had a previous pregnancy loss. And number three, your hormones are really intense right now. Mm-hmm. So when I think about it, like with those three things, I'm like, all right, like I got to give myself a break. Um, and also I try to remember like worrying, like no matter what, even if I think something might be wrong or I don't know if anything's wrong, it like won't change the outcome. So it's just like kind of a waste of time to be like yeah. worrying all the time. And I know that doesn't necessarily shut it off, but sometimes it makes you feel like a little bit better, but, but yeah, it's been tough for sure. Mm-hmm. We talked a little bit offline about um, Chrissy Teigen's news and John Legend's yeah. news, which I think is triggering for pretty much everyone I know who had a miscarriage or a, an even later pregnancy loss. Um, how did it make you feel? Because obviously your pregnancy is far enough along, but it's still uh, not easy. Yeah. Yeah. So actually this morning when I woke up, obviously it was like one of the first things I saw online. Um, and I remember my mom actually telling me a few weeks ago, oh, Chrissy Teigen's pregnant. Like, oh gosh. At the same time as you. And I'm like, oh, cool. Like she's up <laughs> on celebrity gossip. Um, and so that just seeing that I'm like, oh mm-hmm. no, like I just, my, my heart like dropped. And I think I saw the black and white photo of her in the hospital. And I was like, all right, that's enough for me. I don't need to like read um, Mm -hmm. any of the articles because I just know that she lost the baby. And I think that's all I need to know right now. So yeah, it was super triggering for me. I'm like, oh man, like I I feel like any point in time where someone's around the same weeks as you or Mm -hmm. like experiences something like that, you're like, oh no, like am I next? Or like, could that happen to me? Or like what happened? Like, analyzing it and stuff so I'm trying not to like analyze it but yeah it was super triggering I was like oh man I hated Mm -hmm. to hear it I feel so bad for her and I just I couldn't I couldn't read it today especially when I was like thinking about the baby moving earlier I'm like okay I don't need to read this today um yeah but and it's hard to be honest like reading about anything intense like that because I am in a pregnancy group on Facebook. I think we mm-hmm. mentioned that earlier. And in there, like, there's a ton of women there. I think there's like 6,000 in this group mm-hmm. all over the world, uh, mostly in the U.S. But so obviously we're all in this around the same weeks because we're mm-hmm. all due in January, um, sharing like different points or like anatomy scans. Uh, mm-hmm. Like three weeks ago, everybody was getting their anatomy scan and sharing the photos <laughs> and that kind of stuff, which is fun. But then also like when things go wrong, um, people share that too. And I like the week before my anatomy scan, I was like, I think I got to mute this group because Mm -hmm. I've already seen like a few things that are like really triggering or like things that came up on their scan or 
abnormalities or people getting testing back that were positive for things. And I'm just like, oh man, it's so like scary. Cause then of course my mind goes to like, oh, that could be me or like, what if that happens to us mm-hmm. or all these things. And I, I sometimes feel guilty for like not being able to like engage with those types of posts, I guess, or because in my mind, I'm like, well, maybe you should like provide support or like mm-hmm. provide a encouraging word. And I'm like, nope, I can't, I got to scroll past this or I got to mute this. So I guess I'm just not able to like be in that space right now, which I guess is fine. It's hard. I mean, I think that everyone has different reactions and it's sort of like what your doctor was saying is that you got to give yourself a break because there's like, you know, the pregnancy loss, which already makes like future pregnancy anxiety that much higher. There's, you know, like just the fact that we're sober, I think also like having that past trauma, like kind of can trigger some things and we're in a, in a pandemic and all these things. And it's like, so tough to give ourselves breaks because we do feel guilty and like the fact that you feel like bad about that I think actually shows that you have a lot of empathy but that also like you kind of know that you need to take care of yourself too but at the same time it's hard because I think that um as women especially we're told to like take care of others all the time and like pregnancy is the one time where we really need to just take care of ourselves because really we're, what we're doing is we're taking care of like ourselves and like the baby we're growing, but it's tough to like, remember that. Um, and I think it's tough. Like I'm still like, you know, my baby just turned six months old and I'm only now like learning how to like take care of myself and how to like prioritize that too. Um, but it's hard. Like there's, there's still moments I, you know, I have the same thing where I'm like triggered by something or I see someone say something on, you know, and I'm also, I'm, I was also in a due date support group on Facebook and we're still in that group together. And it's, you know, we still hear milestones and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, people have had issues and it's sometimes hard to be as heartfelt as you would want to ideally be because you're also dealing like with your own struggles and like, it's tough because you, I, I know because we've talked about this offline, like we're both very empathetic people and it's like, I just want to help everybody, but also like I can't and it's tough right. to like be in that space, but we just, uh, and you, I mean, as you go on too, and I think that this is like advice that other moms gave me is like, you just have to rem- remind yourself that you're doing the best you can like every day. And I think it's, I think like not, not making up things in my head that like aren't happening yet. Mm-hmm. Like obviously the possibilities are endless in pregnancy and yeah. after childbirth of things that could go wrong with your child or, you know, setbacks or whatever, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. some are life threatening, some are not, but some are still like things that could go wrong. And like, you could just spend literally all of your time thinking about that stuff or Googling it or like trying to prevent it and it could drive someone crazy. So like, mm-hmm. when I think about it like that, it's like so true. I'm like, there's, there's like, even just in pregnancy right now, like there's so many different things that could come up on the ultrasound or right. this thing could be weird or this test could be mm-hmm. so, something could come up on this test or you could fl- fail your glucose test or like, oh, who knows? <laughs> like there's so many things. So it's like, I guess, I guess I was slightly naive in thinking that it wouldn't be so anxiety ridden. Um, 
I don't know. I don't know what my misgivings were before pregnancy, <laughs> or maybe it's just like everything brought to be magnified because of the pregnancy loss. And now I'm like knowing all this stuff and like doubly researching everything because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's intense for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, and this is something I talked about with my therapist when I had my miscarriage is that there's just a loss of innocence and that's just, yes. that's just how it is. Like when you have a miscarriage or pregnancy loss, like you're never the same person again. And you will always remember that you lost this thing that obviously you can control. I mean, especially for those of us who had early miscarriages, I really, a lot of miscarriage, most are due to genetic abnormalities that like literally nobody could have controlled. But at the same time, like you lose that like innocent excitement of like, I'm pregnant and everything's going to be great. And I think that because of that, we almost like, I think we're almost like triggered easier by some of like the negative thing and not negative, but like the really painful things that we see others share, even though we want to be able to like be there for them. It's just like difficult to not immediately be like pushed into their own place, like in your head. It's hard. It's hard not to be triggered and stuff by like, you know, whether it's news like Chris Teagan's or just like, you know, someone, you know, sharing something bad. And on the one hand, I do think it's good that we're able to talk about this because I think, you know, 10, 20 years ago, nobody was talking about any of this. And, you know, we've now gotten to a place as a culture where we can at least share. But at the same time, I think, and I, and I, I told myself this a lot and it helps some days to remember this, but nobody really shares or brags about the good things because you do feel like an ass to be like, my pregnancy went great and nothing bad happened. You know, like who says that? Like that's so insensitive. But because of that, all we hear are the bad stories, even though they make up like, you know, 10, 20% of what happens, like maybe even less in a lot of cases. So, but I think because nobody's really sharing the really good stuff that all you see is the bad stuff. So you're like, it's like repetition of like, you know, you're just seeing the negative. So it's hard not to be like, I'm going to be like, that's going to be me in a week, even though you're like, okay, the actual likelihood that that'll be me in a week is like super small. Right. Exactly. And I was just thinking back to like my pregnancy test Mm -hmm. example of loss of innocence of like, it was honestly so anxiety provoking just taking the damn pregnancy test. Like, (laughs) I'm like, I don't want this. I want to be excited. Like I want to be. And even after that, even after having several positive tests, um, I still worried like the whole first trimester, like, and I prevented myself from really like celebrating Mm -hmm. or even telling people. And I didn't share on social media until we found out the sex and um, had our genetic testing done. Cause I just felt like, I honestly felt like I was going to jinx it. I was like, right. Wait, oh, as soon as I, as soon as I say something or I'm, I'm truly excited or I'm allowed to celebrate this, something bad's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was really hard to like allow myself to feel excited and like celebrate it and be excited. Cause I'm like, I don't want to get too excited or I don't want to think of, of, a name yet or mm-hmm. I don't want to do this and that because I don't know what's going to happen and anything right. could happen and I don't want to be disappointed again and yeah I talked this to my therapist about the same stuff and she was like either way like you're already like attached to this thing mm-hmm. and so whatever happens you're going to be upset right and I'm like <laughs> yeah like yeah if, if I lose him now or later or like whatever like trying to keep myself unattached isn't working. Like yeah. it doesn't work because yeah. you're 
as we knew yeah. from before with the pregnancy loss where we only knew for one or two weeks, we're mm-hmm. still attached in a way. Um, so there's no like preventing it. So it's yeah. kind of silly to try to just wait and right. till when. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So. Yeah. And I think there is the added layer of the loneliness and isolation of being in a pandemic right now that's adding like a deeper layer to this because, you know, I mean, you can still seek support on Facebook and texting with friends, but it's not like you can't go and like hug a friend who's been through this or a friend who hasn't been through this, who, you know, it's like, you can't go and like say, I need to like go cry on someone's shoulder. I mean, obviously you can hopefully cry on for your husband's shoulder, but like it's pretty limiting and you know, no no offense to our men. Like they don't, they don't physically know what it's like to like experience miscarriage and to carry a baby. So it's a little bit different. And like that, that isolation, I think really adds this like layer where, the way I kind of have been thinking about it lately is like, you know, if your anxiety is like at a, let's say a five out of 10 because you're pregnant and all that, like the, the pandemic adds like another two, like, so you're starting out at a two instead of a zero kind of thing. Right. So yeah, the not, not being able to have like in-person support and yeah. like, just like that physical contact that is so comforting to humans, like just as animals, right. you know, like we just need yes. hugs to help like calm our right. nervous system. Yeah. And there's just something about being able to like be um, emotionally like present in front of people you trust and like Mm -hmm. in person, whether it's like you pouring out your feelings and someone being there for you or vice versa or both. Um, And like in particular, in in my case, when I did have my miscarriage, I was literally flying across the country to California Mm -hmm. and like it had started that morning uh, when I was still in Florida, I had started to feel like the crampiness. Mm -hmm. Um, but the real like miscarriage stuff didn't happen until I landed in California. Um, Mm -hmm. I was visiting a friend in San Diego and I like, remember feeling like this is going to ruin our trip. Like we're (laughs) like, I'm, I'm supposed to be visiting my friend who I haven't seen in forever and I don't see you that often. And Mm -hmm. uh, she just like laid in bed with me and like held me while I cried. And like, we have like, a such closer relationship because of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I uh, say to her all the time, like, I can't thank you enough for doing that for me during that time because, and she didn't bat an eyelash. (laughs) She was, she was like, of course, like whatever you need. Um, So when you speak about like that in-person, like support and that Mm -hmm. touch and that physical touch, she did that for me when I was having my miscarriage and it would be really cool to have that right now. Um, yeah. Just with being pregnant and having anxiety and stuff. And I would be out doing other things too, like going to the movies or like just keeping mm-hmm. myself busy because I am anxious mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. remaining in my house all the time, like yeah. thinking about stuff. I think even that, like I took for granted, like just being able to go out and eat with friends or like go shopping more than I would. I think I've been to Target like once over the last six <laughs> months, but like shopping for a baby, like I would be like going to all mm-hmm. the stores and like doing more of that stuff or like taking little trips uh, with fur. I mean, we would probably be going to Cancun to see his family before the mm-hmm. baby was born if COVID was nothing right now. Um, and that all those things would be keeping us busy and, and like, you know, helping with the anxiety in that way. And like, yeah be soothing in that way too. So it's really hard not being able to do that stuff and also having to think about 
all those things before you might do them or might do one of them um, Mm -hmm. because of the pandemic. It's just a lot. It's tough. I will say, and this is a very, very tiny bright spot, but I was passing by Target, I think yesterday or the day before, and they had a, um, like an hour in the morning where they were open just for like pregnant people and the, and like the elderly. So, you know, you could maybe go in one of those hours and just kind of like check it out. I did not know. I didn't know they did that. Yeah. I didn't know they did that either, but, um, I will say that I sought a lot of comfort in the Target baby section. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good so, idea. So definitely worth it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit about your work? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I am head of marketing at This Naked Mind. And This Naked Mind is was originally a book, um, is mm-hmm. a book by Annie Grace. Um, I think most people have heard of it. <clears throat> but if not, um, it's about um, scientific ways to cut back on your drinking or at least examine your beliefs around drinking and kind of making your own decisions after that mm-hmm. around drinking. So it, it kind of examines, um, market alcohol marketing, um, the beliefs that we've been fed as a society about alcohol and how we depend on it and, mm-hmm. um, what we feel that it does for us. And like all these stories that we're told, right. um, from the get go. And, um, it's heavily um, science-based and a lot of great information. And anyway, her book kind of blew up and several years ago, and now she has a business and I'm just lucky to be a part of it. And we have uh, several programs that we run there. And one is called the alcohol experiment, which we just are starting one today. It's a 30 day experiment Mm -hmm. where people take breaks from alcohol and stuff. And then we have a longer term program called the path, uh, which is a membership program again, um, a deeper dive into either cutting back on alcohol or eliminating it from your life. So um, it's been really awesome. Um, I didn't, I like, of course, knew Annie and read her book and have been acquainted with her online. And um, I just never knew that she was running this awesome organization until I got hired last year. And um, it's just been amazing because it's been booming. We've hired a ton of people. We've started new programs. She just published another book, um, uh, a book of stories, This Naked Life, um, Mm -hmm. of different people that have either gone through her programs or read her books or listened to her podcasts um, Mm -hmm. and have changed their lives. And the beauty of it is everyone's different. Some quit alcohol together and become sober. Some don't like to call themselves sober. Maybe they just cut back. Right. So everyone's journey is really different. So that's been awesome. And um, just having a place there and like being able to contribute in such a fun and different way has been really great. Yeah. It's been, it's been taking up a lot of my time, but I love doing it. And before the pandemic, I got to travel a ton. Right. (laughs) Um, She is based in Denver. So we were going out there a lot for work and um, lots of different things um, across the U S which has been awesome. And uh, I look forward to doing more and I know Mm -hmm. we have a lot of stuff planned for the future. So that's been great too. That's awesome. And you also write, like, I mean, you were writing before on your own. Um, can you tell us a little, about, a little bit about your blog? I know you're, like, keeping up with it a little bit when you can. Obviously, you're now extra busy with the pregnancy and everything. Yeah, yeah you just called me out. I guess I got kind of, <laughs> <laughs> Actually, this week, I was like, I need to write a blog. And I had, like, I started one yesterday, actually. Okay. Um, I just never finished it. But anyway, yes. So I have a blog called Sober Senorita. And that name came from when I was living abroad in Mexico, five years. Um, that's where I got sober and also where I met my husband and we now live in Florida, but, um, Mm -hmm. 
I started it there on a whim, just thinking <laughs> I, I w- I've always loved writing and um, used to do it for work, like travel blogging and stuff like that. And my coworkers were like, you should start a blog about your life. That would be so cool. So I did. And it's been pretty um, popular since then. But yes, ultimately, lately, I haven't had much time to write. Uh, I miss writing. I love writing. Um, and I'm also writing a memoir, which I've been working on for several several years as well. I have a good chunk of it done. I just have a few chapters left. So I'm really trying to get that done, hopefully within the next year. Um, I would love to have it done before the baby's here. But <laughs> I don't want to give myself that deadline because I feel like I'll be so disappointed if I don't Yeah. But um, but yeah, I mostly write about, you know, my life, recovery, um, tips and uh, resources on um, quitting drinking and Mm -hmm. mostly and like lately I've been writing about pregnancy anxiety. I've heard about my miscarriage and all the things that we've talked about today. So um, it's it's everything. It's my life. So I, I enjoy sharing it. It's it's a fun. I love writing and it's fun to share because it's always me thinking like putting something out into the world like I don't know if anyone is going to understand this or this is going to resonate with anyone and it always does Mm. and I always end up getting feedback from people saying like oh like I feel the exact same way Mm -hmm. Um, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I was thinking that too and it's funny when I guess when I started it I was looking for support and connection and that's what I end up providing for other people too so it's been really cool so I love it. That's awesome. So where can people find yeah. you online? Yeah. So my website is SoberSenorita.com. And then on Instagram, the Sober Senorita without the N-E-A. <laughs> Instagram wouldn't let me use that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and same with the, the website. Right. Um, and then on Facebook, the Sober Senorita as well. Cool. Um, so the last question I want to ask everyone, because I know you got to get back to like your day and so do I. Um, yeah. But the thing I really want to know is what is keeping you sane these days? And this could be anything. It could be like a product, a routine, like a person, anything. <laughs> okay. Um, I I'm holding up a bottle of Topo Chico and everybody <laughs> knows that a lot, of, a lot of sober people love sparkling mm-hmm. water yeah. and I love Topo Chico and I think I'm not alone saying it's like one of the best sparkling waters because the bubbles are really aggressive <laughs> <laughs> and it's hard to find sometimes but lately my husband's been finding it everywhere and I'm like oh my god I love this nice. stuff like this is this is going to be an amazing day because I get to drink Topo Chico <laughs> so that's that's definitely been keeping me sane um yeah I think she recovers is another um, mm-hmm. organization I am associated with. I'm a she recovers coach, and although I don't really do too much with it yet, but they've been having online Zoom meetings since the beginning of the pandemic as well, and mm-hmm. I attended them a lot more in the beginning. But those were keeping me sane, and they're still doing those. So that's definitely a really good resource that's been keeping me sane. If anyone quit drinking or mm-hmm. any type of other recovery, um, they do it all. Those have been keeping me sane on reality tv <laughs> a funny one but it's 90 day fiance and like any of these other shows that are like some people get annoyed at like my husband is like i can't i can't watch this this is like <laughs> too silly like i i don't know how you watch it but i'm like that's why i like to watch it because it's like i don't have to like think too hard i don't have to analyze it it's not like a a scary show that's going to give me anxiety or something like that it's just like plain mm-hmm. old like regular like gossip and drama right <laughs> all like enjoy so those are like the main things that have been keeping me sane lately I think yeah so. sometimes we just need something a little lighter in our lives for sure yeah exactly yeah 
Yeah. Awesome. Well, it's been great talking with you. Do you have anything else you want to say to women going through this who are pregnant right now, maybe who are earlier pregnant than you or? Yeah. Um, I would just say reach out for support, find a few mm -hmm. people that you can trust and like talk to about this stuff exactly here. Like, I'm so glad I found you, Irina. And I like have my sister and a mm. few other women that have listened to me from the beginning <laughs> um, and know everything that I've been through. And then I could text at any moment in time and they understand me and I feel supported and loved. And I think that's like the most important thing, especially like right now, like we mm. said, when we can't really like meet in person too often or as we want to. So yeah, definitely hang in there and hopefully everything will be good. Yeah, we'll get through it eventually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I want to say a big thank you to Kelly for being our very first pregnant guest here on the Pandemic Mama podcast. It was honestly so special to have her on because as you can probably tell, she is actually a close personal friend of mine and I am very glad to have been able to be there through her pregnancy journey and I think that a lot of you will definitely relate to everything that she's been struggling with, you know, from the weird doctor's visits to figuring out whether and what she can actually do out in the world right now. Um, you know, all of her gym struggles and trying to figure out whether she can have a baby shower and how she can have a baby shower safely and even just going out with her husband and celebrating being a family of two before they welcomed this baby in January. I remember Adam and I really struggling with that in March back when it was the first month of the pandemic and also the last month of my pregnancy. You know, we really couldn't do anything and we didn't feel safe doing anything. But now that we have more information and we have precautions that we can take, I'm really hoping that Kelly and some of you are able to get it out at least a little bit, you know, but it's a really big struggle in figuring out what is safe and how to keep our sanity at the same time. So I'm wishing all the best of luck to Kelly and everyone who is pregnant right now. I hope that all of you listening have found some comfort in her words and that you will follow her at the Sober Senorita on Instagram. As always, remember, you're not alone. Tune in next week for another honest conversation about the challenges and joys of being a pandemic mama. In the meantime, feel free to email me with your pandemic parenting questions at pandemicmamapod at gmail.com. Plus, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at pandemicmamapod for more updates. Also, I would really appreciate your ratings and reviews. As a new podcast, this is one of the best ways to get the word out there about these stories. So please scroll down in your favorite podcast app, rate us five stars, and share a comment. Thank you. Pandemic Mama is produced and hosted by me, Irina Gonzalez, with art by Chaotic Coco, music by FM underscore free music on SoundCloud, and editing by the best of husbands and best of men. I'll talk to you soon. Stay sane and stay safe.